Water sits. Water moves. Its movement is a chaotic process with gazillions of individual molecules moving in patterns according to the laws of fluid dynamics, each influencing another's movements. Is it hard to simulate water using CGI? I don't know. But in this episode, 2232, Bill and Sean Johnston, the CG bros, will be telling us how it's done. When they answer the commonly asked question, how are CGI water effects created? On the CG Bros, CG Insider Podcast. Welcome to the CG Insider Podcast. And if you're a new listener to our podcast, thank you for joining us today. If you're a regular listener, welcome back. It's great to see you again. In this episode of the CG Insider Podcast, the CG Bros, that's us, we'll be answering another intriguing question submitted to our Ask Us Anything page at thecgbros.com by Vanessa J. from Reno, Nevada. And Vanessa asks, how are CGI water VFX created? And by the end of our chat today, uh, you'll have learned some interesting things about how computer-generated water uh, VFX animation is created, and you'll know some brief history about how water animation technology has grown. And uh, be sure to stay to the end of the podcast where we'll show you some of our favorite shots. We'll use some pretty impressive CGI water VFX, and uh, we'll share some suggestions as well on what kind of software you can use to create some of your own CGI water VFX. I'm Bill Johnston, one of your hosts for this edition of the CG Insider Podcast. And I'm his younger brother, Sean Johnston. And uh, what a great question, Vanessa. Um, Sean, you wanted to... Well, yes, I, I will, I'll jump in. I was thinking, are we going to be talking about uh, 2D effects using like things like Adobe FX, After Effects, and, and adding like raindrops and... You know, those kind of things, glistening things on 3D models, or are we going to talk about volumetric or volumes of water? Uh, you volumes know, I, of I'd fluid. Be happy to, I'd be happy to talk about the, the entire gamut, Sean. I know, I know. Well, I mean, uh, we could start with fluid animation, I guess, right? I mean, that's what that is. What exactly is a fluid animation? Well, if, well, if you're asking me, I, I, I could, a fluid animation is a dynamic simulation, basically. And what is that? What is a dynamic simulation? We've, we've actually had a podcast on this uh, not too long ago. But it, basically, it's how uh, visual effects in film and gaming is done. It's, it's uh, physically-based animation in, for, in simple terms. And, and basically, it uses uh, techniques that uh, use uh, numerical computation and mathematical modeling of physics to come up with uh, uh, an animation. And so we, we use, you know, simulations and we use uh, Newton's laws of motion and, you know, mass and inertia and momentum and energy and kind of let the computer kind of run its simulation and, and see what comes out. Oh, my head hurts. Is that, that sounds like a bunch of math. Yucky, well, yuck, yucks. Well, you know, it's, it, we, it's, thank God we don't actually have to do the computations ourselves. And, you know, they're used to create, you know, stuff that we see all the time, like uh, physics-based uh, what uh, fire and smoke and, and clouds, as well as uh, water effects, which is what we're going to be focusing on today. I think I, I think going back to the very beginning of, of my involvement in CGI and wanting to be in this industry, I remember trying to, to get plugins for, at the time, 3D Studio Max, trying to emulate water for cinematics um, for some video games I was working on and trying to figure out how to how to do that so it looked as realistic as possible because we were trying to simulate, like you said, you know, as, as realistically as possible in a video game at, at, at very low res, <laughs> um, water effects, water in the background, ocean effects, um, you know, water pouring on, let's say, a waterfall. I mean, that was really difficult until 
uh, Maya came out, right? And they had, what was that, uh, Pain Effects that had water? Well, you know, it's, it's funny you should even mention that because even before Pain Effects, uh, they, there was a plug-in called, uh, well, Pain Effects really didn't do any kind of simulation. Uh, it was just kind of a, it's a, it's, it's a cute little tool that stamps, basically it's a, it's a, it's a trail. It, it has stamps, it plays a texture along geometry. Okay. And, uh, it's, it's not, but, but they did have a plug-in called Glue 3D, which at the time uh, was the only thing that really ran a, any kind of liquid simulation uh, in Maya at the time. Uh, you know, we had blobby particles before that, which was pretty unconvincing. Um, but uh, glue kind of kind of suffered from the same kind of thing. There was always a meshing issue. And we'll talk about it. We'll get into that in a little bit. But, you know, until recently, um, you know, talking about 2D, it, the real reason, computer graphics just couldn't handle, you know, the requirements of, of simulating and calculating all those millions of, uh, of individual, uh, you know, what we call particles, and we'll, we'll talk about that here in a second. But basically, all those cal calculations, all that math you were talking about, um, and that which generates, of course, terabytes of data, uh, and then you have to communicate that data through, you know, a, a complex network and systems. And uh, at the time, it was just really next to impossible. So you know, they they came up with the pretty ingenious ways to simulate water in uh, in, the, in the early days. I remember that. I remember it using wasn't it. really even a simulation. It was just fake. You know, how do you fake water? Right. I remember that. Like you said, blobby particles. I remember that Glue 3D was actually for 3D Studio Max as well. And I remember simulating where they had wet maps. So as soon as the, the water would be released onto, let's say, a plane you created, it would actually have wet maps that would be associated with that. So it would look wet and dry off as it, as it kind of, I don't know, kind of edged, at, you know, as the water goes to the edge of an object. Mm -hmm. It kind of has that wet look. Um, trying to simulate that uh, was really, really cool. But Getting back to the history of this, you know, you know, going to the very, very beginnings of it, um, at least in film, um, at least according to the History of Computer Animation website, that is, the uh, one of the first uh, fluid CGI animation uh, short films that were ever created with that in as an VFX was back in 1981, and it was called uh, it was a short film called Carla's Island, and I, and it was uh, created actually at Lawrence Livermore uh, Laboratory. And uh, this particular uh, short film showed a sunset and a moonset over an ocean. And it, in fact, it, it, here it is right here. This, I'm showing it right now. Look how beautiful that looks, how realistic those clouds look. But as soon as it flies down to the water, you can see how very simplistic it is. But looking at this, this video here, that was actually done on a, on a Cray-1 supercomputer back in, in 1981. And... If you think about it, that the Cray computer at that time uh, cost between uh, 1.3 and 2.9 million dollars each, and uh, that particular uh, Cray computer only—and uh, this is kind of a weird thing—it uh, was capable of 160 megaflops, I guess, or uh, th 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 those are like million floating point operations per second. Basically, that's what that means. Um, and in in terms of today's storage, uh, or processing power, I should say, um, you've got your cell phone or a Google Pixel 3 in comparison has 19 gigaflops. So that's, uh, I mean, that's a hundred times faster your phone today than that's that Cray supercomputer was able to do. But I mean, it looks pretty good. Don't you think <laughs> for well, the time, you know, especially for the early days? I mean, so quaint. It, 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 yes, exactly. Very quaint. Mr. Computer. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. think uh, the next, uh, one of the other, uh, one of the next, uh, things to really, uh, you know, really pioneer was uh, was the abyss, the film The Abyss in, in 1989, right? 
Well, no, actually, one more before that. There's oh. one more. In 1986, Pixar actually made one of their first films. Oh, that's right. well, and, and it was called Beach Chair. And it was super, super... Uh, it was actually really, really short, like a micro short. Even that, they were just doing a test, I think. But this was uh, produced by the same animation test uh, or you know, group that... Uh, that started Pixar and, and basically created, you know, Luxo Jr. that you, you always see. But uh, this interaction with the chair was really, really kind of, uh, everybody was blown away at SIGGRAPH, I guess, when they saw this. But uh, just backing up real quick to the Cray computer, check out this image of the Cray computer. Look how big that is compared to your cell phone. That's crazy. And it looks almost like there's, there's leather seats around it, doesn't it? And there's, this is the inside. <laughs> crazy, crazy. But yes, okay. So going back, going back to the abyss, that was 1983. Well, in I fact, think you're right. That 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 was a test. And I was going to say, as far as the abyss, because that was that was the first you know major Hollywood film to come out, or at least yes. use CGI water yeah. in it. Uh, right. It was the first first film to, I think, where the it was the first computer generated 3D character, if I if I'm not mistaken, as well. Yeah, it was actually using something like fluid morphing, I believe, at that time. Um, and in fact, the special edition of that DVD. Um, sequence. They actually included a tidal wave sequence um, that uh, ILM did. In fact, I have the video of that um, right here. So these, <laughs> I could see I sped it up about two and a half times. So it looks kind of funny, but just so you can see for that back for that time frame back in 1993, I mean that looks really really neat. Um, they're running away at the. Uh, it's actually happening all over the world. In fact, so you have it. At, that's why you have. You're seeing a night shot, basically, in the, in the, in um, Russia. Then you're looking at uh, Southern California, basically, this big, huge wave coming. And and I know they use real waves in here too. But at one point, like this scene here, where it stops and kind of just kind of starts curling and kind of just undulates, um, I thought it was really actually pretty cool for that time frame. I mean, that that we hadn't seen anything like that yet, right? So uh, no, that's pretty yeah. amazing. I mean, it's it's it's. Well, really well done for the time, and I think they did. As a matter of fact, uh, that 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 whole movie had it was was groundbreaking in a lot of ways, especially for the the, the uh, CGI water. Uh, yeah, yeah. They use. Uh, it wasn't until later than you know, like Titanic after that, where they they claim as the first photorealistic CGI water. Well, I think uh, for this one, at least for for the Abyss, uh, Phil Tippett uh, basically uh, recommended that uh, James Cameron. Uh, I think it was uh, check that he contacted ILM because they had t they had just started doing uh, computer generated stuff. And you'd you'd, you'd we've shown that young Sherlock Holmes, you know, the, the first you know, the guy jumps out of the stained glass. They, they mm -hmm. were just really pioneering that kind of stuff, and uh, we've shown shown that in a podcast, I think. But uh, when when uh, ILM completed the the uh, effects for the Abyss, it just it exceeded everyone's expectations and uh, really paved the way for the rest of computer-generated effects, like you said, for uh, you know some future, primarily you know the T one thousand in in uh, Terminator two. Right, and and just just to to give uh, one of my favorite movies of all time, Waterworld, a, a shout out. Just kidding, um, it definitely was not. But this is just, you can see they actually did a CGI water back in nineteen ninety five for this one as well. So that was actually before even Titanic, which. You know, had the first photorealistic CGI water, but this actually looks pretty photoreal, don't you think? Yeah, they did a good job in Waterworld too, but they a lot of that was was practical footage, uh, and you know, and I remember Sean back in the early days, um, there wasn't a whole lot of detailed reference available to you know when you wanted to create water and 
you know, see how it behaves under a lot of different conditions. There wasn't a whole lot of video footage, and the stuff that was there was uh, was just very shoddy and, and wasn't wasn't very detailed. And it was very hard to. I mean, you use what you could, but mm-hmm. but uh, but even though uh, you know we didn't have the the reference footage, you know, the director would say, well, you know, this is kind of water. Uh, you know, or, or make me some water. This is a personal experience I had. Make me some, you know, Bill, we need some water for this shot. So I'd go ahead and make some water for the shot. And he'd say, well, that, you know, that's not the water I'm thinking of. It, it needs to, I'm thinking of chop your water. It's going in the wrong direction. It needs to be, you know, more turbulent or, or the swells are too small or whatever. And, you know, I'll tell you what, describing, I mean, water can take on any state. It, it, it can, it is so versatile. And to try to, Try to work without a reference material is a very challenging thing to do. And uh, oh, right now we're taking a look at, at some uh, at a reel from Scanline uh, VFX, and they they just they have a proprietary tool that they use called Flowline, which just just a stu- does stunning stunning work. And um, we'll take a, cl- a closer look at some of that here at, at, uh, in a little bit. But uh, I'll tell you, um, you know, it's, it's having good reference material is critical. Um, and everybody has to be on the same page before even the VFX shot gets started. So, you know, being able to communicate the vision and, and especially for shots like this, uh, you really have to storyboard them out and, and pre-visualize them uh, before any of the VFX work is done because it's just such a costly process to do. Right. Um, I, I remember using Arete's uh, Render World uh, for 3D Studio Max as well, doing ocean effects and things like that. In fact, they made a version that worked with um, Lightwave, and they, they used that on that movie Titanic. And a lot of, you know, like you were saying earlier, is a lot of this stuff was so computationally heavy that they they decided to do. I mean, they're doing a ton of compositing effects, so they're basically adding reflections and texture mapping to the surface. Like the, some of the foam stuff is actually action footage shot from um, like other ships that they use, um, and then they basically scaled and you know, those images and duplicated them several times over the uh, and then composite it on top of that so it's much much faster to process um in, instead of using a particle system for example oh absolutely and that's definitely if you're going to be doing something like uh you know if you're doing some vfx work i mean the, you always want to go from the least you know if you don't have to simulate something don't simulate it and uh you know if it looks good it is good so if you can come up with a a, a, a technique or a, you know some type of pers- you know, process to where you you don't have to do simulation. You can composite that stuff in there using real world footage, and we'll touch on that uh, as well in a little bit. Uh, you can use footage libraries, and I, I I would advise you know as far as order of operations, if you're going to be doing some uh, CGFX work, is yeah, if, don't simulate it. That's not your first go to. It really depends on the requirements of your shot. Uh, if the shot requires a simulation, uh, and you'd be surprised, a lot of things that you think are simulated, and a lot of you know that's one one thing that. A lot of young artists that I've I've uh, talked with, they, they're they're really surprised to learn that a lot of the the VFX movies that we see and that you know you go to the movies and you see their blockbuster high budget films, you know it's not all simulation. I mean a lot of it is, and 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 but you'd be surprised uh, what isn't. And and a lot of young artists think that you know everything's a simulation, and it's it's not. And and uh, it just depends on the complexity of the shot you know the resolution of the shot how close you are how, how believable it has to be how realistic it is you right know, it's in the background the mid-ground or the foreground so those are all considerations that you need to just think about anyway yes and, and i remember starting out with um where you had optimized cameras so your your scene actually had whatever your camera would be able to see in the viewport was exactly what was ca- if it was smart that's what it was calculating everything else is basically occluded would basically where it wouldn't calculate it. And so you could actually, it was optim, optimized for that, but you weren't doing a lot of 
you know, the things you could do with, um, let's say, on, on, a, on a mesh plane that you can, you know, add noise to and make it very, very noisy, similar to um, an ocean surface. But then you didn't get the particle effects of the waves if there was wind and things like that. Now it's almost like the entire thing's like mesh based um, where you've got even even the, the spray and it is just this. It's all calculated. It's it's uh, it. It's a, it's a beautiful. It's just beautiful. Yes, and the, the nice thing about the, the techniques today is they've really built, kind of built on some of the earlier techniques uh, over the past decade, and they, they just kind of morphed a little bit. And, and so there, there is ways to optimize these simulations. Like you, you wouldn't simulate the entire ocean. You would, like you said, have a, have a, you know, a, de a deforming plane of some kind uh, and, a, and with a s several different turbulence frequency deformers going through it. And then you just have a localized area uh, where you actually do your simulation. And I've got an example of that here where, uh, you know, you just simulate the around the area that you're doing the effect in. The area outside the square is actually going to be, you know, a, a, a not simulated. It'll just be a, a patch, a geometry patch. And here's a, a different versions of, of a simulation where you where you just run uh, different strengths. One has has spray and one is foam and one is has got different wind uh, uh, velocities to it. And that's what causes these different wave waves uh, for the speech simulation here. Wow, look at the, the wet maps there. And that looks very realistic. Yeah, yeah that's yeah what's that and here's, here's another great example of that where and this is even underwater you know so there's different different ways to animate water uh, underwater is is a real challenge because you're dealing with a lot of bubbles and a lot of particulate matter and stuff like that so, and those those aren't typical in, in you know typically what you think of as you know simulating water and here's here's another great example of just some beautiful uh work done in houdini yeah, different size, obviously, different size bubbles and things like that. So it's nothing uniform, uh, really. It's just a, a, um, you know, a noisy, very, very noisy. And so a lot of those parameters you can add, you know, those noise um, uh, modifiers or uh, noise, uh, in, in, introduce some type of noise into the equation or algorithm um, will definitely um, make it more realistic. Oh, definitely. And de you definitely want to add more than one, you, you know. Two at a minimum when you're trying to do any type of, of water simulation because it just it just looks too repetitive as far as you know the kind of patterns that it generates. Yes, and this is a kind of a cool thing from uh, uh, actually a video here uh, example some some stills from Star Wars which I thought was probably some of the best water I'd ever seen in any any film to date is uh, Rise of the Skywalker of the Skywalker Rise of Skywalker. Um, this is uh, there's a Kylo Ren and uh, Ray Duel on a section of the of a downed um, Death Star, and this was done by ILM, uh, like you mentioned earlier, where you can see, um, you know, this is what they started with, and then they uh, they actually shot the the characters on the scene while they were fighting in in a practical um, with with blue blue screen green screens back there, and then this is the actual shot itself, where you can see the blue the screens back there, and they actually had water cannons that were practically shooting water on them while they're and they were being affected by the water so they can so you could uh it was so, so much more realistic when they did that and they basically took out the the water cannon shots and just replaced it with with what the waves were doing to try to give you that that real world feel and i thought this was extremely well done um very very realistic as far as i was concerned really cool that's beautiful yeah, you can unpin me too, by the way. <laughs> yeah, and this set of shots uh, from Spider-Man Far From Home, I mean, we we get to see Hydra-Man for the first time in his full 
realistic glory. But you know, and we all know water flows freely. And but in, in the case of Hydra-Man, you can, you can, he's a constant human shape, and, and he has to, the water kind of has to flow around him, and it, it still looks phys physically accurate. Um, so they kind of, uh, you know, he, he in this sequence here, he, he they kind of wanted the effect of the water attracting. Uh, you know, sucking up around him, him attracting the water and basically flowing up his body and, uh, and becoming aerated and turbulent as it goes higher up on his body. And so, um, you know, the first test they did, they, they just uh, found that they needed to guide the water along the mesh a, a little bit better. And, uh, but uh, it still didn't provide the control they needed, especially as a base for the, the uh, foam effects and the spray effects. So um, they uh, came up with their own uh, system called a flow line, which uh, handled all the complex calculations that we were talking about earlier. Um, yeah, a lot of that, a lot of those, the the looks you today almost give me give me that same reaction that when I first saw the saw, saw the Sandman that uh, Sony ImageWorks did. Um, it gives me that same feel. Um, seeing that it's very sandy, like it's definitely definitely looks better, but I'm telling you, it still looks fake to me. I don't know. Yeah, so, it, something about the the way the foam is. It's just so it's so gassy. I don't know. I, I, you know what I mean? Yeah. It just looks so gassy to me. Or foggy, I should say. Well, you know, that just shows some of the challenges that uh, that there are with creating realistic water uh, VFX, and and uh, it's not an easy task. I mean, there's they've done some pretty amazing uh, things, and here's some you know some more believable something maybe a little more believable uh, to you. This is uh, again Scanline uh, VFX, but this is for uh, the San uh, San Andreas uh, movie San Andreas that was just had the some just amazing mm -hmm. VFX in there. Um, and this is uh, the Hoover Dam, of course, and I've been there. It looks just like that. It's it is a really great job of, of the destruction of this dam and uh, the water effects there. And you can see kind of uh, the initial shot uh, where they lay out the three D you know water. And they actually didn't simulate that foreground water, but um, here's there's a little bit of simulation going on there. But one of the real amazing shots is when the water just overtakes the city. But you can kind of see how how the layers are are put together. And this is where compositing comes in. Some of these elements are actually real life footage. Uh, just composited against some of the CGI background stuff, and so um, this is kind of how they put this breaking scene together. And it, this this took quite an amazing thing, but this still suffers from that quality that you're talking about. I think. Yeah, I yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, that that's a pretty cool scene. I like that one. That one's neat. Yeah, uh, this where is where the the wave actually overtakes the San Francisco Bridge and comes in. This is a pretty amazing shot here, and you know, over you know, throws the tanker over on top of it, which is pretty cool. Uh, yeah, there's just some. They do a really great shot, and you can see them boiling up the layers here. Uh, and and that's that's one thing about uh, doing water effects. It's not just one simulation. It's several simulations. It's the water, the base simulation with the oh, a spray simulation on top of that, with a foam simulation on top of that, with you know ancillary uh, you know enhancement simulations on top of that. And then you can see there's a. They have to kind of interact with the, with the simulated uh, dynamic uh, simulations of the destruction. Well, what kind of software can people use to do their make their own? Well, that's a really great question, Sean. Uh, for the most part, a lot of these. Well, for instance, in, you know, uh, in the case of uh, what we're talking about here, uh, these Hollywood blockbusters, they have their own proprietary tools, and like Flowline does uh, is the tools that Scanline uses, and uh, most of the larger studios have their own. But you can, you know, if you really want to do some some out of the box stuff. Uh, you know, you can use it. You know, you, you were talking about 2D solutions. There's Tsunami for After Effects, and that's made by Red Giant. There's other 2D solutions for creating kind of 2.5D uh, 
water. There's RealFlow. Uh, if you want to do 3D stuff, they, that's that's kind of it was always the go-to standard. But uh, you know, Maya has Bitfrost, and and Max has a Flu Simulator built in now, so you could you could do some pretty nice stuff with Max, uh, or you could get a plug-in for Max. Uh, Phoenix FD, which does a pretty cool job. Blender even has some some inherent uh, liquid. Uh, simulation capabilities so um you know you can do uh, houdini gosh can't 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 forget houdini. right i mean they, they do some really great work and so you know but don't <laughs> the learning curve is huge on some of these things so don't think you're just going to jump in and start doing some simulations uh, and get the results you're after and a lot of times when you simulate you you have to simulate you simulate until you get the result you're after which could be right. hundreds of simulations so right well or you can know you can get to go to vfx grace i'm going to give a quick plug here They've, uh, they've got an actual really very involved Houdini uh, tutorial with uh, not just Houdini, but using all sorts of different techniques in order to get this particular wave that's coming through this scene. And, and you'll learn how to do that and plug it all in, doing all the, the effects with the, uh, the water and, and, and uh, spray and everything else. So pretty cool. Check, the, check them out, VFX Grace. Yeah, definitely. And another, mm-hmm. we, we briefly touched on, if you don't want to learn to, to do simulation, Go to effects footage uh, libraries, and, and uh, I've had great success creating effects in, in 3D as well by using some of that footage in my 3D world, uh, by you know using doing cloth simulation and mapping some water textures onto that, and coming up with some pretty amazing results. It just really depends on what it is you're trying to create, but definitely check out the footage libraries to for all your you know real. It's not just for water effects; they have all sorts of cool uh, effects stuff that you can composite into your shots. Right, now obviously 2012 and. And movies like that, we, we didn't we didn't show because we've shown them in other podcasts. But those are some of our favorite movies as well. Yes. And so. uh, we want to thank you for being part of our podcast today. Uh, we uh, want to know, uh, let you know that we do them exclusively for you. Uh, and we had a great time answering Vanessa's question today. How are CGI water VFX created? And uh, we heard, hope you learned something uh, that you didn't know uh, along the way. Well, we hope you enjoyed our conversation. If you did, share it around with some of your friends. Hit the like button too because it helps YouTube find uh, other people just like you who are interested in CGI and VFX cool stuff uh, that we talk about here on the podcast. By the way, if you've got a subject uh, you'd like us to discuss in one of our podcasts, please let us know by going to our website at thecgbros.com. Go to the About Us tab and then on the Ask Us Anything drop down um, and just uh, leave us, leave us, uh, yeah, give us a subject. We want to talk about something you guys want to hear. Just like Vanessa did. Yep, and we're always looking to improve our podcast. I want to know what you think. So, as Sean said, leave us a comment. And if you do, there's no guarantee, but we'll, uh, we might anyway, read it, uh, <laughs> your, uh, your comment and your name on uh, one of our future podcasts. Uh, also, in case you didn't know, we bring you a new edition of the CG Insider right here every week. And we discuss all things having to do with computer graphics, CGI animation, digital VFX, as well as other interesting and related topics. Also, also be sure to check out the, the CG Bros YouTube channel for your upfront seat, uh, and you can see some amazing state-of-the-art CGI short film entertainment created by some of the most talented new media producers and VFX studios around the world. Or you can check out some of our revealing uh, VFX breakdowns, before and afters, and uh, behind-the-scenes making-ofs. We're looking forward to next week's uh, podcast, uh, where I hope you'll join us. Uh, we'll be answering another great fan question. How are CGI muscles and skin VFX created? Ooh, I'm itchy all over. We'll see you here next week. Well, that's it for today. 
We sure hope you've enjoyed the CG Bros answer to the question, how are CGI water effects created? Thanks for being with us. If you watched us on YouTube and you enjoyed the experience, please hit the super thanks button where you can buy us a cup of coffee. Please give us a thumbs up too. Be sure to leave a comment because we might share it on a future podcast and give you a personal shout out by name. If you're not yet following us on our channel, please hit the subscribe button. Subscribing is free and ring the bell so you'll be notified when we post our next podcast. Also, please share the video with your friends on social media. If you're listening to us on our audio-only version, please leave a comment. Oh, and uh, don't forget to tell all your friends that they, too, can enjoy the audio-only version on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Samsung Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Audible.com, and Stitcher. If you're listening to us on Spotify, you can share the podcast to Facebook, Twitter, and Tumblr with the share link. That's the circle with the three dots in it. Here's a free bonus. If you'd like even more insider information delivered right to your inbox, subscribe to our free CG Insider monthly newsletter. Go to our website, thecgbros.com, and sign up. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, Tumblr, and Instagram. And be sure not to miss the next episode when the CG Bros will answer the question, how are CGI muscles and skin effects created? This has been episode 2232 of the CG Bros CG Insider Broadcast. See you next time. <laughs>